Good day, I'm Katie, um, and I, am, I have the privilege to be, I should say, both a birth mum and a foster mum. So celebrating Adoption Sunday with you all today, it is a massive privilege. Um, it's clearly a topic which God has woven deep into my heart, and as a result, um, also into our family life. Um, just three weeks ago, in fact, we welcomed in another teenager into our clan, And I'm pleased to report that she is actually settling in brilliantly. She's fun, she's quirky and friendly, and it's a real blessing for us all to be a part of her journey. So um, that's exciting. Uh, Part of my preparation for this morning, I actually read over my talk from last year. um, And I was actually very excited by its content. Um, I was quite sorely tempted to preach it again. Um, How many of you were here for my talk last year? Yeah, too many to get away with it, really. (laughs) Um, But nevertheless, I do actually want to recap quickly on my main points from last year before delving deeper into the heart of our Father, which is what I would like us to focus on today. Um, So last year, my talk was on the spirit of adoption, and I focused mainly on how we all belong to God. We belong to him for three reasons. To belong, it means um, he owns us. He paid a price for us. Now, obviously, he paid the heaviest price for us through the death of his son on the cross. And I will be talking a bit more about that later. Um, We belong because we are a part of something. We are a part of his family, the church. And we belong because we have a specific purpose and a role within the church so that we all have a part to play in bringing his kingdom here on earth. Um, As I said, I think this is really exciting stuff, Uh, but I also think for today's message, it's important to remember who we are as we dive deeper into the heart of our Father today. Um, And I want you to remember that in belonging to God, you are his child, you're his heir. You know, this is the creator of the universe, the one who sung everything into being. He has paid the price for your sins, and, and he wants you to be a part of his family. He is your father your most perfect, holy, and heavenly Father. Um, As I was praying about what God wanted me to talk about today, it just felt the Holy Spirit impressed so strongly upon me that it was the heart of the Father, and that's what I feel he wants you all to get a glimpse of today. And I feel like, actually, through worship this morning, that was powerful stuff. God is moving. So I just hope you get an even deeper glimpse of that um, today. Um, Excellent. So I'm going to start by asking you all a question. Um, Perhaps this is something you can discuss maybe in life groups this week. Um, When did God first reveal himself to you as a father? When did God first reveal himself to you as a father? Now, I'm sure maybe some of you here today have yet to experience God as your heavenly father. And if so, well, I hope you get a glimpse of that today. And I would really love to pray for you later. Um, But I'm sure for many, if not most of us here, there will have been a time when either we just knew or started to understand how God is not only like a father towards us, but he is ultimately the most perfect, loving, and compassionate father. Um, For me, this is a big deal. Um, God first revealed his father's heart to me on Sunday the 17th of September 2006. Yes, I know that's a very specific date. Um, Very specific, but I remember it so vividly because this is the first time I encountered God and my eyes were opened for the first time um, to the presence of God in my life. Um, I was 18 at the time and I was just about to leave home for university. Um, It had been months and months of my ex-boyfriend's family praying for me diligently and eventually I agreed. Um, Actually, no, I think I even asked to go to church with him that day. And so I went to his family church. It's important for me to add here that at this point in my life, 
Um, I had quite a rocky and somewhat painful relationship with my own dad. We had barely spoken for the best part of two years. Now, this was mostly due to me regrettably blocking him out as a way of dealing with things. Um, but anyway, at this point, the whole thought of a dad or father figure, it was quite a painful one. So I wasn't sure really what to expect when I rocked up at church on that Sunday, the 17th of September. Um, but there we were. We, we, I was with the Smith family, and we turned up to Grace Church in Chichester, which was led by Steve and Joe Petch at the time. I remember shaking their hands as I walked in, thinking, oh, what is this? Um, and it's funny, because I can't actually remember the preach. I can't remember the songs. I don't, I've not got very good memory, apart from the date, which is obviously quite... I think I remember it because I wrote it in the Bible they gave me. So, <laughs> but yeah, I don't remember much about the actual morning. But what I do know is that during that service, something clicked. Um, God opened my eyes, and he opened my heart. I knew that he loved me, I knew that he wanted me, and he wanted good things for me. And, well, being generally quite an emotional person, I was, like, in tears, a bit of a wreck. Um, (laughs) But it it was amazing. I responded for prayer at the end of the service, and as a lady prayed over me in tongues, which, by the way, at the time I thought was totally weird, um, (laughs) but now it's obviously normal, Um, at the time I was overwhelmed by my Heavenly Father's embrace. I just felt him engulf me in his wonderful, loving arms. And it was amazing. It was incredible. God was and is real, and he wanted to show me the love of a father. And um, that was amazing. So it was from this point on, I basically became a human sponge for the word of God. (laughs) Um, That may sound excessive, but I had now become how aware of just how much I needed and wanted God to be my father. And it was through studying the word of God that I lapped up the truths of being his child and all that it meant. Um, So as you can see, for me, knowing God as my Heavenly Father, it's been a really integral part of my faith and my daily Christian walk. And it's also why I'm very excited to be talking on this topic today. Um, Now obviously there are many, many scriptures I could use to focus on today to highlight the heart of our Father God. Indeed, we will be jumping around the Bible. Sorry, where's mine? Here we go. We will be jumping around the Bible a little bit today. Um, But the whole Bible is, in fact, the story of the Father. It's about how God the Father created us. It's about how we were led astray from him when we sinned and how he orchestrated the rest of history in order to make a way for us to come back to him through the work of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. This whole book demonstrates the heart of the Father. Um, So this does also beg us to ask the question, why? Why did he create us and why did he send his son to die for us? Because the Father loves us. Because he loves to be in relationship with us. So here's my first point. Can I have it up on the screen? Here we go. The heart of the Father is full of sacrificial love for us. Now, I'm going to do something a bit cheesy, but I would like you all to repeat this with me, please. Can you say, the heart of the Father is full of sacrificial love for us? Ready? The heart of the Father is full of sacrificial love for us. Great, that wasn't bad for a first try. Okay, thanks. Um, Just got to make sure you're all awake and you're all listening. Brilliant. Um, John 3.16, if I can pop that up there now for you, says... For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. This 
This is everything we've been enjoying in worship this morning. This is the act of a loving father. And I love, I love the footnote in my Bible study. Um, my Bible at home is a big study Bible. And um, the footnote on this verse, it says this. The message of the good news comes to a focus in this verse. God's love is not static, not self-centered. It reaches out and it draws others in. Here, God sets the pattern of true love, the basis for all love relationships. When you love someone dearly, you are willing to give freely to the point of self-sacrifice. Now, this has certainly been true for me since becoming a parent, and I'm sure many of you this will resonate. Um, There is much I would sacrifice for the sake of my children, and indeed there is much I have already sacrificed for my children. Um, My body, you know, bearing children takes its toll on the body. Um, Sleep, sleep is a big thing that you sacrifice when you have babies. It's gone. (laughs) A tidy home, that I miss um, quite a bit. Um, And lots of other things like my time. Um, All these things and much more are sacrificed at the expense of raising and caring for our boys and our fosterlings. Um, But please don't take this the wrong way. It's not a moan. Um, It's certainly not a regret. And I would absolutely 100% give it all up again. Um, But it is a fact of life. All loving relationships take sacrifice. Now, I know not all of us here today are parents, but even in other types of relationships, whether that be in our marriages, in our friendships, through life groups, um, or even um, with our siblings and our parents, we often sacrifice our time to support them, to encourage them, and to look after them. Why is that? It's because we love them. We love spending time with them, and that requires sacrifice. So the verse, um, John 3.16, it just shows us exactly how our Father God has made the ultimate sacrifice for us to know him. Um, one, of my song, one of my favorite songs puts it this way. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How beautiful are those lyrics? We are God's treasure Love it. As I said at the beginning, it's important to remember that we belong to God. We are his children. We must remember the hefty price he has paid to make that happen and to make it possible. Um, And I really want us to revel in this truth today. I think we already have been enjoying it um, in worship this morning, which is great. Um, you uh, You will have noticed when you sat down in your seats today, there is a love letter from our Heavenly Father to you printed out. There weren't quite as many as I'd have hoped. You have photocopied some more? Oh, thanks. Yeah, we can always get some more if you'd like some. Um, yeah, Steve has printed the, had these printed. Uh, this letter is actually made up using several scriptures in the Bible, and it's a wonderful way to hear the truth of just how much he loves us. Um, I'm aware some of you may have read this before. Some of you probably already own this. I know the, those of us in the book group um, already have this from our weekend away. But it's, it's wonderful truth to remind ourselves. And so if you already have one, I implore you to give it away, maybe to someone else that might need to hear these truths this week. Um, That would be great. Um, But again, perhaps in live groups this week, you can just take time to read it out to each other, just to enjoy those truths that are all there in Scripture, collated in this beautiful little letter. Um, So yeah, that would be a great encouragement this week. But of course... um, God the Father loved us even before he sent Jesus 
The work on the cross was like a pinnacle of that love, but actually that love started from way back, way back into the Old Testament when he created us. I love this um, verse from Hosea 11, um, verse 1 to 4, sorry, chapter 11, 1 to 4. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and I called my son out of Egypt, but the more I called to him, the further he moved from me, offering sacrifices to images of Baal and burning incense to idols. I myself taught Israel to walk, leading him along by the hand. But he doesn't even know or care that it was I who took care of him. I led Israel along with my ropes of kindness and love. I lifted the yoke from his neck, and I myself stooped to feed him. Such, such an incredible picture. Um, Andrew Wilson, in his book, Incomparable, which, by the way, a wonderful book, really good about giving you lots of different insights to the different uh, names and characters of God. So I'm just going to plug that and put that there. Um, but he has a great chapter on the heart of the Father. Um, anyway, he says this about this passage. The God of Mount Sinai, of thunderstorms and clouds and smoke and awe, teaching his children to walk. We sway from side to side without balance, and then we fall flat on our faces, but God knew we would. He just picks us up and lets us have another go and another and another. And even when we should know better, we grieve our Abba Father. We will be admonished, but never abandoned, disciplined, but never destroyed. The concept of God the Father disciplining us as his children is never a popular one, let's be honest. Um, but God, being the perfect father, he knows that without correction and discipline, we are but illegitimate children. Um, so this brings me to my second point. The heart of the father teaches and disciplines those he loves. Are you still with me? We're going to do it again. Ready? The heart of the father teaches and disciplines those he loves. Um, Brilliant. Yeah, so in Hebrews 12, verse 12, it clearly states that God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. It's an opportunity to learn and to become all the more like Jesus. Sharing in God's holiness means we take on more of the family traits. Um, so I know there are lots of people struggling today with situations that are hard and that may be part of God's discipline or it may just be circumstantial, but either way, I want you to be encouraged. It's, it's, you know, God loves you, and he can help you and refine you through these circumstances. God can grow your holiness. And it's God the Father that helps us when we're struggling, um, which actually leads me quite nicely on to my next point. Um, the heart of the Father has a plan for you and has good things for you. Go on, you should know the drill by now. Let's... The heart of the Father has a plan for you and has good things for you. Thank you. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, going back again to my talk last year, part of belonging to God's family is knowing that we have a role and a purpose, both for our lives individually, but even more for the building up of God's church and for the growth of God's kingdom and for his glory. Jeremiah 29.11, a well-known passage says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. Now, this verse is often used to comfort those who are maybe uncertain of their future, or maybe they're at a crossroads or struggling with the different difficult circumstances, and with good reason. In this context, God is speaking through the prophet Jeremiah to bring comfort and hope in a time where the people of God have been exiled to Babylon. 
The children of God are hurt. They're thinking that God has abandoned them to a foreign king in a foreign land. But as their heavenly father, he actually speaks truth and hope to them. In fact, over half of chapter 29 in Jeremiah is a letter from God to his children. And it's not just encouragement, but it's also direction and instruction. Even in this unfamiliar and difficult place, he tells them to build homes there, plant their gardens. He tells them to marry, to multiply, and he urges them to work for the peace and the prosperity of the city. I can't imagine how hard that must have been for them in a completely new and foreign place. But God tells them to work for the peace and prosperity of the place that he has put them in. Um, And through this, God promised them that by following him and trusting in his instruction, that they will have a future and they do have hope. Um, Yeah, Our, our Heavenly Father always wants what's best for us. And even amidst our most challenging times, we can trust in his perfect plan for our lives. All we need to do is spend time with the Father, connect with him, pray with him, and just chat to him. As I said earlier, our Father has given up everything, even the life of his dear Son, for us. Not that we, so we can just go, oh, cheers, God, and carry on as we were. No, 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 no. Our Father did all this because he wants a personal relationship with us. He wants a personal relationship with me. He wants a personal relationship with you, with all of you. Um, He wants us to come and chat with him about our day, about things that excite us or about things that are troubling us. Prayer time with our Heavenly Father doesn't have to be formal. Um, As his children, we should never be afraid to ask things. In the New Testament, Jesus gives lots of examples of how to pray to our Abba Father. And my favorite is Matthew 7, uh, verses 7 to 11. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Our Father loves to give good gifts to his children. We can actually read about many of these gifts in the Bible, gifts of the Spirit, um, used mainly for the edification of the church, as I was saying earlier. Um, These are listed in a couple of places, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, just to name a few. Um, but I wanted to focus on Ephesians 1.3, which says, we have been, in Christ, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now that means that we have every resource we need in God. That's amazing. There is nothing we could ever want or need for that he can't give us because he knows our needs and he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. I think that's incredible. Um, Yeah, sorry, I'm hopping around the Bible a bit again. But on that note, I do want to reinforce Simon's urging from last week um, to read our Bibles. I can't encourage you enough, church, to read, to study, to know your Bible. Absorb it any way you can. Maybe you prefer listening to it. I know some of us do audio Bibles whilst we're doing other things. It's great just to be reminded of the truth. 
Um, my favorite CDs are really cheesy children's CDs called Sing the Bible um, by Randolph Goodgame, and it's just brilliant fun, but it means I've memorized scripture, and it helps me out. So I really implore you to just get to know the Word of God, because in it and through it, God reveals who he is. He reveals his heart for us, and it shows us who we are in him. And it shows us all he has given us and equipped us with in order to do his work. The truth in this book, or rather collection of books, brings life. It's a powerful tool. Um, and our Heavenly Father, he knows. He knows how difficult life is. You know, Jesus has experienced a very difficult life when he was here. He knows, but he also knows how forgetful we are, which is why I think he gave us this. Um, we often need reminding. So he's given us this as a tool to help us, to guide us, remind us. So please, church, let's just use it. Um, right, sorry, getting back to the heart of the Father. I lastly want to focus on point four. Um, the heart of the Father cares for the vulnerable. So last time, let's say it all together nice and clear. The heart of the Father cares for the vulnerable. Brilliant, thanks. Um, so here are a few examples that I have plucked from the Old Testament, of which there are many. Um, Psalm 146 says this. He gives justice to the oppressed and food to the hungry. The Lord frees the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are weighed down. And the Lord loves the godly. The Lord protects the foreigners amongst us. He cares for the orphans and the widows. But he frustrates the plans of the wicked. In Exodus, we see God instructing his people to do likewise. Exodus chapter 22, verse 22, 23 says this. You must not exploit a widow or an orphan, and if you exploit them in any way, they cry out to me, then I will certainly hear their cry. Similarly, Deuteronomy 24, 19 to 22, gives instruction about harvesting, nice and practical. Um, when you are harvesting your crops and forget to bring in a bundle of grain from your field, don't go back for it. Leave it for the foreigners, the orphans, and the widows. Then the Lord your God will bless you in all you do. When you beat the olives from your olive trees, don't go over the boughs twice. Leave the remaining olives for the foreigners, the orphans, the widows. It's quite repetitive, <laughs> but you get the gist. Um, when you gather the grapes from your vineyard, don't glean the vines after they are picked. Remember, you were once slaves in the land of Egypt, and that is why I'm giving you this command. Yeah. In both of these examples... God is demonstrating that he cares for those who might otherwise be forgotten about or marginalized. He says he will hear their cry, and I believe he still does. This, these verses show us that God not only cares for the vulnerable, but he's instructing his people to look after them too. He's instructing them to make allowances in the way that they live in order to care for the vulnerable around them in society. This is echoed throughout the New Testament as well. Um, most of you will know the story of the Good Samaritan. It's written in the Gospel of Luke, um, chapter 10. Now, the Pharisees asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus uses this story to tell us that even people least like us are our neighbor, and all are deserving of our care. It's the Samaritan man, the outsider, who was judged to be good because he showed care to the vulnerable, even when it wasn't expected of him in the culture of his day. And that is what pleased God. Our Heavenly Father hears the cry of the broken, the marginalized, the fatherless, the poor, the widow, the lonely, 
all people, everywhere, who are made in the image and likeness of God. We're all reflected our Father in some way. And that's why it pleases him when we imitate his love for the vulnerable, just as the Samaritan did in that story. Um, in the book, of, uh, the book of James puts it this way, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Our Heavenly Father loves and cares for the vulnerable, just as he loves and cares for us. For we too were all once vulnerable, were we not, or still are in some way. His heart rejoices when we care for those in distress, as it reflects his sacrificial love. Um, Once more, I'm going to hammer home what Simon shared with us last week. We are not saved through our good works. It's not that we we have to do this. We don't have to do this um, in order to be saved. Because we're not saved through our good works. We are saved by the work of Christ on the cross so that we can enjoy a relationship with our Heavenly Father. He has saved us so that by his grace, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can equip us and send us out to do his good works. We don't have to. We get to. We can choose to imitate Christ. We can choose to be like him. Um, Just as it says in Ephesians 5, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his children, not to become his children, but because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love and following the example of Christ. He loved us and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, obviously, this will look different for each and every one of us. Um, We all have our strengths and weaknesses and we all have different callings. As demonstrated this morning, and hopefully through how Stuart and I live, our Father has impressed upon us as a family to share his love for the vulnerable um, by fostering and adoption and by opening our home up and advocating for these vulnerable children and their needs. If there is anyone here today that also carries a passion for that or might have questions about it, maybe they think they might be called to that but are not sure about practical things, um, I really want to invite you to our Home for Good meal. You will also have, hopefully, have one of these on your seats too. Um, Yes, it's here on Sunday the 8th of December at 6.30. It's going to be a great opportunity to ask questions. We're going to enjoy some great food and hopefully understand a bit more about why God's heart is for fostering and adoption. Um, So it'd be great to see you there. If you're interested, please let us know. Um, But another opportunity for us, the church, to demonstrate God's heart is um, through helping at the winter shelter. We've already had also um, announcements this morning. There's still opportunity to sign up and help for that as well, um, which I believe we did last year for the first time. Is that right? Yeah. And we're doing it again this year. So this is something else, perhaps, that you can discuss in life groups. It doesn't have to be the winter shelter. It doesn't have to be home for good, you know, it doesn't have any fostering or adoption, but each of us are called to reflect the love of God to those around you, whether vulnerable or not. And um, perhaps, again, that is something you can discuss in life groups this week. Um, I'm going to quickly recap the points from this morning, um, and then we're going to have a time of communion together. Uh, So we've discussed how the Father's love for us is perfect, and it's a sacrificial love, um, and how he gave up everything to restore the relationship with us, his children. We looked at how his love, our Father loves to guide us and teach us and even discipline those whom he loves so that we can grow in our likeness of him. We've seen how God has a plan for our lives and he has gifts and endless resources to help us on our journey. And we also looked at how the Father has a heart for the vulnerable, how he has always made provisions in his law to care for those who are vulnerable or marginalized. 
but also how he calls us, his children, and each of you, to demonstrate his unfailing love to the vulnerable around us in society. Um, yeah, so I think um, we're going to use this short time of worship to share communion together. So let us enjoy and reflect upon the heart of the Father this morning and give thanks for all that he has sacrificed for us through Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.